myself out. I am afraid of I'm terrified and paralyzed by I am deathly afraid of Welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast with your host, me, Ryan Perio. Hello and welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Perio. This week, we say goodbye to the year 2021 with an interview with comedian Diego Rangel. Diego is a young comic as well as a young entrepreneur as he's only in his early 20s and he already owns his own landscaping in business as well as he is a new up-and-coming comic here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. In this episode, I basically, I wouldn't call it an interview, I basically had an intervention with Diego about his fear of acceptance and to try to coach him on how to accept who he is, and he kind of accepted that I was going to talk a lot during this interview since he hasn't. So let's get into my intervention right now with Diego Rangel. All right, my guest this week is comedian and entrepreneur uh, in in the landscaping business, Diego Rangel. Diego? That's what they call me. Is it Rangel or Renhel? Rangel. Well, it's supposed to be Ron Hell, but like. That's my dad's name. Ron Hell is my father's name. I'm Rangel. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty whitewashed. Yeah. It's Rangel for well, me. As, as I guess, you know, as generations like stay here, that that's going to happen. I mean, that's just an inevitability mm-hmm. of being, I don't know if you're second or third generation rangel you know like grandfather was ron hell you know and it just you know slowly we slowly changed the pronunciation you know as Mm -hmm. yeah having a white mom will do that okay yeah let's make it easier on her (laughs) (laughs) happy wife happy Mm -hmm. so is are you are you like second generation i guess yeah yeah i mean my my parents, they're both, they're both, I guess, stereotypes of themselves. Like my mom's white, white, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes, Aryan, you could say. And my dad, you know, crossed the border illegally like 30 years ago. He's legal now, but back in the day, he wasn't. Okay. And yeah, so. So you're first generation. That would, that would make you first generation. Sure, first. Yeah. yeah. First generation, because I, I was just thinking with your age, you know, being as young as you are, that maybe, you know, you, your father, you know, your grandfather came over, then your father was the first generation to be born as American citizens. Mm. Gotcha. What is it like having a father that's, that basically this is a new world for him and he's like trying to adapt from home life and you being like, this is how it's always been. Is it, is there any kind of culture shock or anything that you do that he just is, he would understand <laughs> besides everything? I, I guess just because he's an older generation, like there's a lot of stuff I do that he doesn't understand. Uh, you know, like, like the clothing I wear is like, Oh, that's so ugly. Wear Adidas or whatever. <laughs> but um, not really a culture shock just because he's been here longer than I have, mm-hmm. you know, we still make fun of him a little bit because, the accent will never go away, you know, so, but, but not really a culture shock though. Okay. I was just curious. I'm just curious. I always curious, you know, like, so what is, you know, what is your generation versus, 
you know, him, because there was always things when I was a kid, like when people would compare me to my parents is my dad would be up at 730 in the morning, mm. already hitting the day. And then I would then my generation would be 1130. We kind of mumble out of bed, maybe go back to sleep for 30 more minutes. Mm-hmm. And so it's always an interesting to me, I guess, dynamic of how you, you know, associate, I guess, with with your parents' generation, you know, just different, I guess, different ways of looking at the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, how long have you been doing stand-up now? Uh, just under nine months. I started in March, March 14th. And then, yeah, it's November 13th. So almost nine months. Well, happy pregnancy, uh, comedy pregnancy. Oh, you're, you. you're almost, you're, thank you're almost, it's almost a joy. Ready. Almost ready. <laughs> Yeah, it's a miracle. So where did you first go up? Uh, Addison Improv. Okay. Open mic, because uh, I started working there, like, the last week of February. And then about two weeks later, I did my first open mic there. Mm-hmm. And uh, my first month or so, that was the only mic that I would do. I just, you know, I, I went up there once a week. But then after that, I started taking it a little bit more serious, you know, doing five mics a week, seven, eight mics a week. And I've slowed down a lot now, but, I mean... I still try to hit as many as I can. Okay. Know. So what inspired you to even, I would say, go to work for Addison? So what made you what made you walk in the doors of the Addison Improv in February uh, and decide this is where I want to work? Okay. Well, stand-up's always been in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always uh I didn't I wasn't sure if I could actually do it. You know, it was just one of those things where I was like, I wish I could. And then I'm a big podcast guy. You know, uh, I listen to all the comedians' podcasts. Tiger Belly was the biggest one for me, Bobby Lee's podcast. Okay. And uh, he was just talking about his beginnings in comedy. And, you know, he was, he had it rougher than I did, but he still got started. And he mentioned that the Addison Improv was one of his favorite clubs just because it's like, you know, very retro, I guess is the word, vintage. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I looked up, it was only like 20 minutes away from me. I basically just went up there and asked for a job. And then they hired me that, that day because one of the door guys was leaving that weekend. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of wanted to work there because I wanted to get into stand up. You know, I didn't just want to work at a comedy club. I wanted to do stand up. And I thought, why not work at a comedy club if I can? Okay. You know? It's definitely a what i would call it in at least an exposure to it to see before you get into it mm-hmm. what is the what does yeah. this take what is the what are the you know what what is comedy really like to be able to kind of have an almost like a, a glass window kind of like a zoo like you're just the you know looking at the lion cage and see okay so how does this kind of, you kind of see the outer workings and stuff you kind of get to see you know not just the show you get to see the lead up mm-hmm. to the show you behind the see, curtain. Yeah. Yeah. To see how the comic, what the comics do before the show, com- what the comics do after the show. What are the comics doing when they're not on stage? Where did, you know, what do they want to do? What are they, you know, what is their interest? Some comics like to sit there and play guitar. Other people, you know, just, they like to just sit there and, you know, in the, in the green room, others like to go hang out with the audience members and, you know, meet and greet other people like to sell merch. Yeah. And they're all so different too. Like, that's what I love about it is in a way anybody can do it, but also not everybody can, 
you know it's it's yeah so many different types of characters can can do it indeed i like a lot it's uh, to me i call it kung fu like everybody has a specific can do a different style of kung fu it doesn't none is there's no set way of doing any kind of stand up like it's all it's all kung fu it's just you master your craft and you know maybe your craft is something that people will gravitate to other times you may have to do more mastering and learning and discovery to figure out what you can do and it's just everybody i'll tell people that comedy to me is never fair because it's not always the person that works the hardest or has been doing it the longest Mm -hmm. But that's why you deserve everything, every opportunity that you get, because it's not something that, you know, is something that you have to do a certain way to get that opportunity. You can just you could be just sitting in the showroom on at Addison and the headliners got a flat tire on the tollway and he can't make it and they need someone to fill five to ten. You're sitting there. You're not you know, you're the door guy, but you can go up after the MC and pad the show if needed in an emergency. And you mm-hmm. may you may do that, and it may be such a good set that they say, you know what? What if we have you open for a weekend? You know, it's just it's just thing. It's snowball. You can it's it's being prepared for opportunities you don't know are going to happen, so that when they do happen, you have your best. You give it your best shot. Like it's not a guarantee, yeah. but you're just you're just preparing for when a surprise set comes down that you knock it out of the park. Yeah. Yeah, and that does happen. You know, it's happened several times just since I've been working there, you know, like with other comics that work there that also do stand up. Yeah. I've seen it happen numerous times. It's just sometimes things fall through or it's easy like to realize, oh, I need I've been doing this and I need to go here or I've totally forgot that I put myself on a different show. And you just have to cut it's constantly keeping track of where your life is when you're a comic it's like oh because you want to say yes to everything and that's the hard the hardest part of comedy is is having to say no because there's an anxiety oh my god if i don't say this is the one time the addison improv is going to ask me for a show oh but i've already promised to do another show here and so there's the anxiety of turning the improv down to yeah. do another show or, you know, any venue, you know, you you being told you're doing something with your family or something. And it, it's such it, it was such a hard thing for me to do. And I did it in, at a young age for things that probably I should have, you know, scheduled differently. But I've learned, you know, I've learned it's OK to, to just be OK with, you know, sometimes it's just not meant to be rather than let me try to make this work. Because now I have anxiety for cutting out. Now I'm I'm nervous about promoting this because I told this and I couldn't do it. And now I'm doing this. You know, mm. I, does that show that I'm not loyal to them? Does that there's all these little anxiety things that I I go through constantly with as a, as a comedian. It's just learning to make peace with your choices. I would say as an advice for somebody that's I would say just a year or two or you know nine months a baby. A yeah, baby is yeah. to just make peace with the decisions you make and don't second guess because second guessing will, will, will create, I guess this anxious vibe of I've got to say yes to this. I've got to say, I've got to do all these spots. You don't have to do anything. If you don't feel comfortable doing something, like if you feel comfortable doing five and they want you to do 15, don't try to do 15 just because you're yeah. like, they, you know, 
they they ask me to do it, they may never ask again. They're going to ask again. Yeah, be honest with what you got. You yeah. Know? And just, just make peace with, okay, you know, that would have been cool, but at the same time, reputation is everything. And I don't want to make a first impression that I have that I don't have 15 and I said I did and then it just went or worse I think that you know it just was a terrible show and now they think I'm just they don't have material because now they'll they'll take longer to come around again yeah I'm sure that's that's one of the veteran comics that I've worked with told me is like you know always try to make a good first impression don't be okay with turning something down if it's your first impression and you're afraid of making a bad first impression because, you know, they'll they'll remember that impression because that'll be tied to your name until they see you and they don't know it's you on stage. And they're like, who's that guy? And they'll say, it's, you know, Ryan Perry. Oh, wow. You know, like then they see the difference. The Ryan Perry. Yeah. Well, yeah. there's been times where I've, you know, put too much, I would say, I guess, emphasis on my set. Like I've got to I've got to knock this out of the park. And it's it just all come unraveled on stage. Like it just unraveled me. It's happened on like the FCIT shows, it's happened to me in Hyenas when I was doing a guest spot, and I would just put so much pressure on myself to like, okay, you've got to, you've got to do this, you've got to make this happen, and it just, it just broke me a couple of times. It was like, oh my god, you know, I, you know, I've ruined this. I've, you know, once again, I've showed that I, in the clutch, I will fuck, I will just bail, I'll just drop. Mm. Yeah, I'm curious how I'm going to handle those situations because they will come. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm sure eventually, you know, once I start getting more work and stuff like that, like I I, I don't want to crack, but like it, it sounds like that's de- a definite possibility for all well, comics. It's just to go it's through. it's just the it's just it's just basically everybody wants. I was telling people last night we were talking about booking, and I was like, I don't think people want to be booked as much as they want the validation that someone wants them wants to book them Mm. i think that that's more the the hang up is that in your first two or three years of stand-up you're suffering in silence because you'll see your peers that you started with starting to get asked to do things but they won't ask you and you just it it becomes a am i doing something wrong or you'll have good sets and they'll say good set but then you know when it comes time to needing a comic they're like you know, I need, you know, I wish there was better local comics and I'm like, I'm right here, you know, put me in coach, you know? Yeah. And so that first couple of years of doing stand up is just learning to realize that even though you're there, you sometimes they still don't see you. And, in, mm. and that goes back to like that first impression is they see for three years of my comedy, all they saw was my terrible guest spots and my, and my, me suffering at open mic. And that stuck with most comics for, I would say, my first three years. That even even my first opportunity at Hyenas in 2009, after been doing it like basically a week or two before my three year anniversary, the guys were saying, you know, book Ryan, he can do it. You know, I need an opener, and they were like, you know, suggest they they my friend suggested me, and they they were like feature comics, and he's like, well, I don't know, I, he you know he he always sucked at open mic. And at that point, at three years of just being told and going last at every open mic, you're pretty much broke. You're just like, whatever. At this point, yeah, I was ready to write a, a blog post about my three anniversary saying, you know, 
this, you know, I may never, I may never be a, you know, a paid comedian at this. I may, I may never be, I may never have been good enough. And so there was always that in my head of like, maybe I gave it my, I consistently went to every single open mic for three years. And even in that result, I wasn't able to crack like the opener roster. And when I got the opportunity, I just, I just didn't care. And I was that, I would say that opened me up to the point that I just, that I had a good set and the guy, the booker then, you know, basically had changed his opinion of me. And and I started getting opening work there. And eventually at the Addison Improv, I've opened a few times and it's just, it was learning to just be okay with maybe this isn't, you know, and it's just enjoy doing, I just went from, I've got to make this work. I've got to become a working comedian because I've only got two years, a two-year contract on my job. And once that contract's up, I need to be able to make money. And I just, my shifted my focus from that to just enjoy doing it. Maybe this will never make you money. And retro, and coming now, it has it made some money. Is it made enough to make a living? Probably not. But it's just being able to enjoy doing it and just keeping that joy doing it versus the pressure of why is nobody booking me or the pressure of why do I always go up in third block and open mic? Why am I not? Why does he not put why does he not see me as someone that's in the first or second block? That is where that's the I would say the sweet spot. Mm. So in your you also own a landscaping business. I I don't want to take all the time for just <laughs> this comedy. No, trust me. I was dreading this podcast. I trust me. It was, uh, yeah, I've been thinking about it a lot since, uh, since you asked me. Yeah. I'm glad that, glad maybe dreading is not the best, <laughs> best way to describe your interview for this. No, like, I got, hey, it'll be good. It'll be good. It'll okay. be good. It'll be good. Well, I'm glad you, I'm glad you, I'm glad you thought about it. I don't know if dread is the thought I wanted you to have. (laughs) So, so what's it like? I would say, how old are you? Uh, 22. I just 22. 22. What's it like being a business owner at 22? I don't know. I think it's in quotations, business owner. Like I got the title, I guess. Um, But it's, it's really not much work, you know, like business side i mean like it's a lot of labor and everything but like it's really just texting people and scheduling but other than that like it's it's really not a ton of like paperwork or anything it's mostly just labor okay i'm just always curious because i mean at 22 i just couldn't imagine myself being responsible let alone owning Mm -hmm. a company and so i'm very at 22 i was I would be waking up at 11 hungover and and dragging myself around my apartment. And so I'm mm. I'm just like, "Well, you actually own a business and, you know, it's you know, you have to your schedule again, you have the schedule, you have people that you're in charge of and and everybody's probably older than you that you're that you're working with almost." Yeah. Yeah. A lot older. What is that like being the young guy and having, you know, to basically almost be a leader to men that are older than you that you feel, do you ever feel intimidated by that? Like, do you feel like they, you don't get credibility? Um, I'm not going to say credibility probably more, I guess it can, you can say credibility, but it's just more of a respect thing. Mm -hmm. Like, like, Oh, you're so so much younger. Like about authority. How about 
authority may be yeah, a better authority, word. Yeah. Authority. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, sometimes it's tough, but like. Are you like Cartman? Respect my authority. <laughs> respect my authority. Yeah. Yeah, I got to crack the whip. That's, no, not really. I, I was going to say that because, the, again, the young thing is one of my big culture shocks is when I was 26 and my my boss's boss was my age and maybe younger than me. And so wow. it, it, it it comes up quick, at, like your age, you know, change, dynamic changes. You're no longer the young gun. Like at my job now, I was like, I'm not the youngest guy. I'm I'm good at what I do, but I'm I'm not the young hotshot. You know, I'm just a guy that just happens to know how to read things and translate it into fixing a problem. But it's so mm. it's so weird, you know, as a comic now, even, you know, it's like I started comedy in my 30s and I'm like, I've never been the young comic that's walked into this with dreams. And because you as, as an, still, well, yeah. as a young person, like you're 22 you're in a unique spot because you do have responsibility as being a company owner. A lot of the people your age don't have that. They could they could quit whatever job they have, move to LA and try at least to make it. As someone that's lived life and been unemployed for months at a time, I would dread every single moment of that because I've I've lived the rock bottom moments and stuff and and just barely, you know, scraped out of there without being homeless or jobless for extended period like over you know three months and it just ter- it would terrify me to try to to quit all of this for stand-up and then start again when you're in your 20s you can go back to school you can find somebody that'll hire young and you can you know move up through a company and still with your stand-up but and when you're 30s or now for me almost 45 there's no more chances for me to start over. If there is, it's like, it's a long way down for me because I have no college degree. And so you have that, you guess you have that time on your side of being able to put things aside and pursue stand-up and pick things up again. I, for retirement purposes and everything else, I don't have a luxury of just saying, you know what, I'm going to quit my corporate job, move to LA and ride this stand-up thing and see how far I can take it. Because that's the other thing with stand-up is it's not like a it's not a corporate ladder where you could just spend a lifetime doing it. You could for five years, you know, on average ten. You know, some people have been lucky enough that have been doing it from the eighties and stuff to to make a a lifetime of living at it. But it's hard, you know, and it's it's scary. You know, you're just you're very you know when you're in your twenties, you're very fortunate to be able to pivot. And still have time for that pivot to actually to work it. Where I'm just fortunate enough to, you know, fat landed in a job that's kept me there and allowed me to pursue stand up on the side, you know, as a side hustle. And you know, I've made some, I guess, inroads at other clubs and cities and things like that. But it's it's terrifying to think that I if I lost my day job and it's like, yep, you're just gonna have to do comedy full time now. Yeah, I do think that there's it's definitely a lot more difficult whenever you're older you know because you don't have much wiggle room for failure like if, if if you fail then you know it's to start over is much more difficult than if you're younger and it's it's just harder in the corporate world even because it's like 
why would they hire a 40-year-old with all this experience they'd have to pay this when they could hire a 20-year-old to train them to do it and pay them less? Yeah. And so I've always watched my mom struggle when she lost her job in her 50s and 60s to try to find an office job. And it it just, it scarred me. And I'm like, I will, I will do whatever I can to try to do both at the same time. Yeah, it's tough, man. So it's interesting that you're an entrepreneur and a leader and stuff because your fear is very, it's very much embodies like being a, an own company owner and a, a, basically a leader as well as a comedian. You're tell people what you're afraid of. Um, well, I've been thinking about it a lot since, uh, since you asked me, um, I think it, it is still the same thing, but it also kind of goes hand in hand with a lot of things. Um, so I guess the basic is acceptance. I find it difficult. I'm not, not only, I, I, I don't have too many uh, physical fears. I'm not afraid of heights. Uh, I am afraid of spiders, but that's boring. Nobody wants to hear that. Um, my fear is both. Not only, oh my God, I, I like to stall a lot when, uh, when talking about myself to get used to this. I'm afraid of not only being accepted, but also the fear that I can't be accepted at the same time you know both of those coexisting which sounds really weird but that's what it is yeah. you know so it's a it's and i call it the human condition because we're 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 by nature pack animals we're not that's why people i feel you know it's, there's a there's a lizard brain like biological response to being alone and so when you're isolated and stuff like that, your brain subliminally going back to prehistoric and, you know, wherever times we've come from, like your base instincts are you're in danger. You're away from the herd. And so that that's your, there comes your depressive mood is to me is I feel like it's a lizard brain response to you not having a purpose, not having a pack, not having, you know, people that you feel. Cause it's, it's always seems like once you, like when even the pandemic, it was nice to socialize. It was nice to get out and see people. Even if I wasn't friends with people, it was nice to be around people and to kind of communicate. And I feel like it. That and that I feel like that's where acceptance comes from. Is it's you always feel like you're the outsider of entering a pack, already that's already established, and you're trying to figure out. Okay, well, where do I, you know, where do I sit in the hierarchy of these people? And so it's, yeah, it's a, it's a, definitely, it's a huge fear. Like, I, I applaud you for doing stand up because that's probably like, you know, acceptance on a full room scale. Like, you're trying to get accept your, your fear is being put into a microphone in a room full of people and just waiting for their response is kind of like, that's got to be, you know, a f torture as a, as someone that's afraid of acceptance because you're just you're now just basically giving a sonar of, hey, do you guys like me? Yeah, yeah, and um, uh, it do, it does go because for me personally, uh, being on the microphone in front of people like dozens of people is actually less scary than interpersonal relationships 
you know, one on one, two on one. That's that's much more scary to me because I, I I'm not really sure how to put it into words, but I'm more afraid of, I guess, interpersonal interpersonal relationships, yeah. like uh, being accepted by specific individuals versus a a crowd of people if that makes sense oh absolutely i would think that makes sense to every single person that does stand up is that it's easy because i can go home and go into my car i don't have to stay here and, and handshake each every 300 people here yeah i can i can go somewhere and because it's it's basically i control how how interper- how personal we get whatever i mm-hmm. say on stage is is the limit once it's interpersonal, now it's like, oh, you know, am I? You, there's all these secondary thoughts that come in, and like, oh, do they like me? I, I'm not sure if that's. Oh shit! They're they're did they, did I not let them talk enough? Did I did I run the conversation? Oh, is she not interested in stand up? Okay, should I stop talking about stand up? Maybe one more. Maybe just tell her about the show I did last week. Maybe she'll she'll think how I'm great. It's all it's all second guess. Like everything in my head when I'm so when I'm on a date is is second guessing in my head and no conversations happening. So I'm just and in my head I'm like, well, why don't you talk about this? You know, maybe you can talk about no, that's not talk about let's not talk about her and you know, relation no, don't bring up past relationships. Don't like I'm just going down yeah. a checklist of things in my head. It's like, man, if she could just hear what's going on up here. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> exactly, you know, I'm I'm relating a little bit too much to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there a couple women I've dated could tell you exactly it's like and, and just they're just waiting for you to talk and it's like there's a lot going on and it's just sheer panic and I don't know how cuz I'm I don't know how to com- I'm not a very good communicator and I that's one of the things stand ups kind of help me with a lot is not jumping over and interrupting like I hopefully haven't cut you off at any point in this but I try to I try to navigate those waters because that's always my big I hate that feeling yeah yeah and I, I actually have really difficult time communicating too like uh um just about myself like I, I can listen to people all day you know I, I like learning and understanding other people but whenever it comes to talking about myself, it feels almost impossible to um, physically get the words out. So like, I actually have a lot written down on the side here just because whenever I write stuff down, it's it's easier for me to find the words, okay. if that makes sense, uh, and to actually say them versus because I, I can't form my, I can't, I have a difficult time just turning my thoughts into words but when i write it down it's more manageable that way so when did when did you start i say writing down when did that become i guess your i guess safety net if you will um well i actually bought a journal uh you could call it a man diary if you want but it's a journal uh for just to keep track of like my uh journey through stand-up uh, I bought that uh, four months ago, roughly. And so a couple times a week, I might write down some entries uh, that deal with like either my personal life or 
some accomplishments in stand-up that I've gotten. Um, and I, I, I feel like that's helped me a lot, just writing stuff down. Okay. So how do you handle, like, so how does... How do you hand, how does acceptance in comedy, like, have you all, have you been afraid to approach certain people in the scene? Like, have there been people in the scene that you're like, I don't know if I, you know, cause people will come, you'll see that other people talk to, you know, say it's, you know, Flo Hernandez or somebody, or, you know, George Red or somebody that you feel is like a, okay, this guy, you know, is doing things in the scene. How do I talk, you know, do you, do you feel intimidated to approach them with your fear of acceptance? Like, how, what am I supposed to say to them? But yeah, you'll see somebody that you started with just walk up and be like, hey, how's it going? And then you're just still at your table with your journal, like scribble away. And um, Well, in the beginning, I should probably turn my ringer off. There we go. Yeah. Um, in the beginning, I was much more, I guess, timid. Like I wouldn't talk to anybody at all, uh, but I've gotten better with approaching people. Like uh, since I started hosting, uh, will call, sign up on Tuesdays. D Bellum will call best mic on on Tuesdays. Um, that that kind of forced me to interact with people more, and you know, luckily, um, I don't feel like. Or pe- people have said kind things about my stand-up, so people, so that that has helped me um, feel like the, the the comedy community has been very, uh, what's that word, uh, very kind to me. I guess you know, I I, I don't feel like an an outcast in in the community uh, because people have treated me good. I guess, but. I would say it's because we're all outcasts. I think we all know what that be- yeah. we all we all know what it feels like. So I feel like a lot of times, I feel like we make an effort to at least to so- have a social circle with certain people that either we started with or have come around in the recent times. And as those people dwindle away, then you kind of expand your role to maybe. So like me, Seth, David Jessup. So David Jessup started like a year after I did, or maybe like. six months to a year after me Seth Cole started two years before me Barry Whitewater started like two or three years after me and it's like as people at we had we had our own groups but as as those groups kind of dwindled away it drew us closer because now you know Seth and and Dave are the closest guys to me there's not another guy that I started with at the exact same time other than Casey Coleman and so there's you know, it's like your circle shrinks. So you like all these people that were kind of, you know, maybe somebody starts two years after you, maybe it's, you know, Kirsty Hayden who started like two or three years before you kind of envelopes into your group as her group of people who she started with dwindle away. And so it's almost like you adopt, you know, these other people that are, maybe it wasn't the exact same time, but generally, and then even then it's within a couple of years as you keep coming out and you keep seeing those same people, then they become your group. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I, I don't think, um, my, my fear necessarily has to deal with, um, I I think it's more to do with relationships, Mm -hmm. like with, with, with Mm one-on-ones because I, I, I'm not afraid of, I don't know, I guess it is kind of adjacent 
but I'm not necessarily afraid of rejection. Okay. Um, like, let me read this. Oh, he's got his journal. Uh, he wrote some journal entries for this. Well, it's, it's on the phone. It's on the phone. <laughs> that way it's easy to erase. But yeah, the journal journals over there. Um. All right. Yeah. So for me, it's easier to be rejected because I'm used to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, it's, it's, that's almost the default for me. Same. So whenever it's, it's more for like what, whenever. Go ahead. I was going to say when I was dating for me, my biggest fear was them saying yes. Saying no. Yeah. Was that's, that's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> be, be, because in my mind, I'm like, okay, this is working out so yeah. far, you know, it's going good, but like how long until it doesn't, you know, and that, that's the reason that rejection is painful is because you become attached. So I'd rather just not get attached at all. I'd rather be rejected than accepted, if that makes sense. I, it, it does in a, I guess I would say that's a simplified, a simplified answer to something as some, when I was your age. Yes, I absolutely agree with you. As somebody who's aged is double your age. Yeah. <laughs> so I've I've had twice as long to think about that as you have. There is a, it's it's not that. I would say you have to find you can't you can't dread the letting go in exchange for the experience. That would be like you saying, you know, I'd rather I'd rather not be booked in stand up ever than to than to have an opportunity to be booked and be told no. And so there you have to there is an experience there that you should be happy for. And it, not everything's meant to be permanent. Like I know sometimes you'll like your family, you know, my grandparents, your my dad, your parents, they have these long term relationships that you know, kind of set the bar for you as as somebody that's going into a relationship. Yeah, I've got to find this person that's going to stick with me for 36 years. And I just feel like as a society, we've kind of evolved past that because it, you know, in those times when they started together, you know, it was it was kind of frowned upon to not stick it out or to, you know, that you have to, you know, marriage takes a marriage and a love, you know, love does take work. It can't, it's not just, oh, you and your dad and your mom, you know, fit. And, you know, they they just seem to work together perfectly. There are times when I'm sure that there's been things that they've come up and things they've had to struggle to keep together. And you both have to be willing to do that. Or you have to be okay with the fact that one of you isn't and just enjoy the fact that, hey, you know, this one year, this five years, this six months, this three months has been great. And, and just be able to, you know, walk away with that rather than, I don't understand why after three months this all fell apart. You have to focus on on the things that I would say is that sometimes it's just out of your control. I will tell you that I've had three relationships in my life. The first two of my relationships both lasted no more than six months. The first relationship I had lasted six months, and I, I basically chose to stand up over her. And so I would do, I would go over her house after open mic on Hyena's Wednesday, and stay that, and go over at like one thirty, stay the night, wake up in the morning, and then not see her again until like Sunday. She left me after six months. The next girlfriend I got, 
I sacrificed stand-up for her. Like, I would do maybe one show at Backdoor on weekends when I wasn't working. And then I would go all the way from Dallas to Azel to spend time with her to spend, you know, to, to try to, you know, you know, what does she like to do? Do things she likes to do. I did everything I could to make that relationship work. Still only lasted six months. And so what I learned is it doesn't matter how much you put in or how much you don't put in. Sometimes it's not you. It's there's another human being that's also at play. And so you can do everything right. And it still only lasts six months. So I just learned that it's okay. And you just have to be okay with, hey, she's another person. She's entitled to what, how she wants to live their life. You know, if, even if it's not a she, I don't know your. <laughs> it's a she, yeah. It's, it's, it's she's. Okay. Well, even if it's a he, you know, they're, they're, they're different human beings and you have to, you have to respect their choices and decisions. You can't, as much as you want to, you can't make them choose you. And that's, that's what you have to be okay with. Like, you know, they've chose me for a while. There's something, you know, they don't want, they don't, and it's not a thing where they choose you and they just want you to be miserable the rest of your life. Most of the times they choose you and they want the best for you, but for them, it just isn't working out and you just have to understand that and, and just be, you know, happy for the three to six months to years you've had together and, you know, and care about them enough that you don't want them to, to rot in hell and all the other things that go along with breakups. That's what I would say I've learned is that yes, in, in your young age, it's, you feel like it's easier to not take the risk because you don't know the outcome, but there's some, you'll, you'll get something out of it, you know, good or bad, you'll get something out of it. And I would say, say, you know, not risk, you know, saying you don't want you want to risk it just because you don't know where it's going to go. That's the point. That's the joy of part of life is that you're, you don't know where comedy is going to take you. That's what makes comedy so fun is you don't know. Like next week, Netflix could just, be at the Addison three o'clock open mic on Sunday and see your set and be like, Oh my God, Diego Rangel. Like, you, want five uh, uh, you know, yeah. we'll just, you know, put us, put a pin next to his name. We need to come check him. We need to keep up with him. Like he's actually doing something. You never know, you know, who, you know, who in our scene, you know, yeah. Ralph Barbosa just won an HBO award. He's killing it. But who, you know, you don't know who's next. You don't know if if Bridget Tooley sitting next to you is the next big thing or anybody. It could be anyone. And it's just, that's what makes it fun is you just, if you, if you go in there with, well, I'm not going to talk to this person because they so-and-so, you know, do, or they're friends with so-and-so or they, you know, they don't do this open mic or they don't, you know, they don't respect people i do i'm like you're 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 shutting yourself off from opportunities so as a i would say as a as a jiminy cricket as somebody that maybe is the ghost of your christmas future say i would say don't be afraid to take the risk just because you're afraid of the disastrous outcome you're going to you're if you're going to make an omelet you're going to break eggs and so just, you know, just understand that, you know, going on a date with somebody that I like them, but, you know, this 
this can't go, it may not go the way I want. And I have to be okay with that. And I think you'll have way better dates or social interactions with people if you're like, you know, this is just who I am. You, you know, you instead of why am I like this, accept who you are and be like, this is who I am. You know, yes, I'm a little, you know, I'm a little timid. I don't, one of these things, you know, it's always dates, or, you know, kind of feel uncomfortable, but I'm going to do my best. Just say that, you know, don't say that to them, but, you know, say it to yourself. Just, yeah. just be yeah. okay with it they have to leave or if they have to reschedule don't be like oh okay it's because something i did you know like with this or that they don't want to see you just just accept that hey maybe they have extra plans maybe they're you know there's something else at play and just be i would say easygoing and fluid yeah that's definitely something i gotta work on because i i do take uh stuff like that personally like i whenever i shouldn't you know because people People are busy, you know, people have different schedules, mm. but I, I do end up blaming myself for stuff like that. Like, oh, all right, yeah, I did say something wrong. Oh, I did. I shouldn't have used this word. I shouldn't have blah, 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 whatever. Most likely that's not even the case, you know, but so I, I guess I'm kind of self-aware in that sense where I realize what I'm doing is like borderline delusional like like are, you're i'm basically gaslighting myself you know like oh you're you're an idiot blah 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 you shouldn't have said this you're all these horrible things whatever it's it's not as bad as i think it is you know it's mm -hmm. uh i'm not really sure what i'm trying to say but it's, it's your ego your ego uh, yeah I'm, I'm my biggest enemy yeah my, my own ego yeah but i mean people what i've learned is a lot of people is it's it's about them and it's still an ego play even if it's negative that some people just like to oh i'm just a bad person you know they like to beat themselves you know they because they don't know that person they like to beat themselves up for something that may be out of their control and that's what they have to that's why i was like saying you have to be okay with your consequences that's why i tell people when you do stand up it's just about being okay with the choices of doing this over that or, you know, not saying yes to this opportunity and it turning out to be something that you, you're going to have a lot of choices where you're like, oh man, you know, that turned out to be great, but there's a reason you turned it down and just be okay with it. Don't be like, you know, I'll never say no to that again. There's, there's good reasons to, if you have a good reason to say no, it's okay to say no. Everybody thinks that Every opportunity is the opportunity. And it's like, it's just an opportunity. They'll come back around. If they noticed you, that means that they've seen your they've seen your act. And maybe you're not ready for it now, but it's not like they're like, oh, fuck Diego. He said no to us. Okay, we'll show him. No, they, they, they will always, as long as that show exists, they'll always have slots to fill. And as long as you keep producing and advancing and working on your craft and doing things like even when there's no audience work on other things like how can i say this better there's a bit that you struggle there's always bits where i have words where it just is like as i'm saying them i just get like that like my fitness one i always get i sometimes get tongue-tied so i would do that bit when there's nobody there at all and people will be wondering like why is he doing like regular weekend stuff on a empty in an empty room Sometimes it's just for me to get it to where I can say it cleanly without having 
the the a way you know correct myself on stage because you see me do that when I'm hosting like oh it just I have heard that once yeah I heard that once yeah, yeah I did it when I'm hosting especially it's like because I'll have my head will have already moved three sentences past where my mouth is and I'm like got to stop it and I have to hold and bring it back but you just have to you just have to keep there's always things you can work on there's things that just besides making people laugh there are things you can still do on nights when you don't have people laughing and that's where i i always tell people it's like you know there's always things to work on there's no there's no bad open there are bad open mics but i mean they're not like it's not like there's oh this open mic's not nothing i can do there's nobody here this is empty room this mic is useless. I was like, if you haven't, if you're not working regularly, that's that's the room you need to be at because you need to be comfortable with a room that's not making any noises whatsoever, so that when you're in a full room of people not laughing, you're not freaking out because you've been practicing in a room empty room your whole life. That was, I think, one of the biggest things that helped me when I first got my first, like, started getting paid gigs is because I would go up so so late at every open mic because I would do every open mic I could because I lived with my parents, I hated it, and I didn't want to go home. And so I would be out till two, one or two in the morning just hitting every single open mic from 5 to 2 a.m. they go to bed, wake up at 8. And so it was very much... You know, like how, you know, and I would have to go last at some places because it would just be by the time I got there, I was at the end of the list. But I would just go up and it would be an empty room or just the guy working there. And you just get so comfortable with silence that it doesn't phase you when you're in a full room and they're silent. You real you realize you you calmly. It's much louder. You just calmly yeah. pivot. That, that level. Of but silence. when you only hear laughs and then you go into a room and you don't get laughs people tend to panic and then they start you'll start their you'll see their pace start to pick up or they you know they don't finish mm-hmm. bits and they you know they're they're what they're looking around for a light they're looking for any kind of like almost life preserver when you go up last at a lot of open mics and you learn how to handle no one laughing you're 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 light years ahead of the person that doesn't know how to do that because now it doesn't matter if your jokes are good or bad. You're in control because you're not, you're not flinching. You're not the one up there that's that's now, because the audience is a reflection of you. So what you say to what your what attitude you put out is what the audience is going to return. So if you see a comic that's nervous, well, the audience is nervous now too because they're like, why is that guy nervous? And so now you've basically created a room of no response because they don't know why you're you're at why you're giving off those signals again to your acceptance thing pack mentality you're the leader of the pack when you're on stage everybody's looking to you for the to how to act so if you're having fun and laughing they're gonna have fun and laughing it's okay if you're nervous and scared they're going to be nervous and scared too because they don't know and they don't know why because you're giving you're telling them that's what they need to be and so you, you watch comics that are super nervous and see how the audience is just like they they may they just sit still because they're nervous and there's a 
it's fight, flight, or freeze. And so when your flight mechanism's there and you're trying to want to get off, they're like, oh, I hope he gets off soon. You know, like they just immediately think that because they're you're giving them that you want to run away from this situation and they're frozen. They're in the freeze state because they're scared too. Like they don't know what the threat is, but they know if they, they can't, if they do anything that they're, whatever's affecting you is going to start affecting them. So now they're going to be sitting still and quiet till it goes away. It's all, yeah. it's, it's very, it's very fun to, like I said, when you have some kind of human dynamics, like, Oh, and it's just, that's why I don't critique a lot of writing when I, as, as I do is cause it's like writing's your baby. You'll figure out your style and your voice and all that stuff on your own, whether you take a Dean's Lewis comedy class or just go up at open mics for, 20 years you'll figure out who you are and what you can can't get to do because there is a suspension of disbelief at some point they're gonna you're gonna say something like no that's not true and so that finding that balance is kind of i guess who your comedy voice is is getting past the early stages of being the recluse in school that nobody talked to now I'm the cool guy now and you have the mic. And so you're up there for the first year or two living out your fantasy of the cool guy, what you think is cool. And then people are just like, they don't buy it. Then you just kind of be honest about who you are. And, you know, you'll notice that that stuff starts to get, you know, chuckles and laughs and stuff. When you have a brief moment of, oh, this is, you know, I thought this would go better. Or something like that. Like it's when you have those little moments of honesty, that's your comedic voice because it's a balance between what you believe you are and what the audience sees. Because when the audience looks at me, it's like there's no way that they see, yeah, you know, I'm just dating all these supermodels, you know. They would know, like, it's like the when I was a kid, it was like, yeah, I'm dating a model. She goes to a different school. You don't know her, but. you would just have these model pictures that's kind of what people when they first start stand-up is like you know yeah i've got a girlfriend she's hot super hot you don't know her but she's really hot just (laughs) and you just if nobody believes you because you keep emphasizing how hot she is like okay we don't buy it and then it gets nervous because now you're trying to you're trying to double down on the lie to get this joke across and the audience is like no you're lying i'm not you i don't believe you you're not you're not you're basically making it even more that you're not this person yeah yeah no, I, I like hearing your input because you have been in the game much much longer you know I, I do feel like you you uh understand what i've been trying to say you know you know why i have been saying i feel, I feel like you you get um what i'm going yeah. through you know my my journey you know you, you've you get it. Yeah, I wish I had started my journey at your age. So yes, I. It's one of those things where I was like, as a thirty-year-old, it's like, man, if I had started in my twenties. But then, I also think, you know, would I have been as bitingly honest as I am in my thirties and my twenties, or would I have just just grabbed for whatever in my twenties? Is like, yeah, you know, women are hard. You know, it's hard dating women. You know, would I have said that, or would I have been like? man, I've been dating this girl and just a lot tried to lie about this whole scenario where I'm not dating anybody, you know, and I would try to concoct the scheme of how would I date a girl and not knowing who I am as, as somebody in my thirties, I have and failing at this till I was like 34. 
I had a lot of introspection, a lot of nights driving home from open mics after absolutely bombing and just, you know, just trying to, you know, just like probably you do, just blaming yourself, finding a reason that you're the problem. And at some point it's like, you know, and then comics telling you, hey, they wanted to laugh at your bits, but you got it. You stepped on your own punchlines. You did this. And it's just realizing that, oh, I am the brood of my own problems. I have to, you know, and, and just finding, I guess, you know, things about and just accepting that, hey, here's something about me. Like you're on a date. Here's something about me. I, you know, sometimes I will inadvertently talk over you because I, you know, or in my head, I'm just constantly thinking, you know, about me or just something, you know, that's an honest, you know, an honest thing. Sometimes I overthink things, you know, and I hate it. So don't get offended if I, you know, sometimes like I may, you know, stop talking or something because I just start overthinking. And you just open inadvertently open a floodgate of relatable, you know, and they're like, oh, me too. And you just have this long conversation about overthinking. And then you, your comfort level just your anxiety versus your comfort level just reaches a different balance. And so you're not you're not as guarded. And so you you have something you guys can talk about and then you share stories of being overthinking and wow, this person, you know, gets it. And so that's what I would suggest is just yeah. take time, you know, since you have your journal, take time to introspect and just note things you do that you don't like about yourself, but just to, instead of trying to change them, accept them. Yeah. I'm going, I interrupt people instead of beating yourself. Why did I f say something? Why did I fucking pipe up in this, in the middle of this conversation and ruin the whole conversation instead of doing that? Just accept, hey, you know, sometimes I just, I guess I get too excited in the subject matter and I, I want to say something, but I don't know exactly the best way to enter a conversation. And just, and just accept that. Like, yeah. And it's some, it, it's easier to work on from that angle than I'm going to cure this entirely. I'm just going to, I'm going to find a way to be a conversationalist. Just learn, you know, read books on body language, read books on, you know, conversations and how to, how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. It's a great one. And there's all different books that you can read that they're not going to solve your problem, but they'll give you ways to say, okay, here's where your problem lies. And I, I do like um, self-reflection a lot like i have been doing that as well like you know I, I do enjoy watching you know like stuff on psychology mm -hmm. or body language and uh that is something I, I have been thinking of doing is writing down all my attributes all my uh just the good and bad things about me and uh, i haven't done it yet but <laughs> i think i will <laughs> true uh, to every comic i will write that joke down I have it yet. <laughs> I'll write it down. I have it yet, I but I will. I will. I got it written down. I got it written down. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that'll help a lot, actually, you know, because so sometimes it's, just, it's good just seeing almost a physical representation of what, of your own characteristics and seeing that, you know, you're not as bad as you think you are, you know, accepting the good and bad parts of yourself. Yeah, and I, I, to me, that's that was my biggest thing is learning not to to just beat myself up for things and just be like, you know, yeah, sometimes you sometimes get too eager to conversate or sometimes you don't make eye contact and that's just something you have to work on. And, 
you know, I try to make eye contact with people when I'm talking to them in the shows, but it, it really is sometimes easier when I listen to people's sets to just listen to their set while I'm on my phone so I can, you know, for some reason that just helps me focus and listen versus watching. And I don't know if it's just body language and not wanting to make people feel uncomfortable because now I'm watching them and they're like, oh my God, now I've got to do good. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's definitely, I, I applaud you. It's definitely something I think we all struggle with. It's just, you just don't hear about it from other people because they, you know, they either mask it or fake it till they make it. Yeah, and, and for me, it is, I mean, it, this wasn't, it, it is difficult for me to talk to, about myself, you know, which which I'm glad that I, I don't feel like I'm being berated or anything. Or, um, you know, because even though I, I didn't say a, a whole lot about what I didn't go into extreme detail of my fear or anything, but uh, oh, my God, I lost my train. I thought. But um, what was I saying? Ryan? You were talking about your fear. I was saying I was talking about my fear. You haven't said a lot. Um, you were like you haven't gone into great detail. I've gone into great detail. I don't know what I was going to say. I dropped it. I don't know how that, I was mid sentence. I just, I lost where I was going. See, that's not good. That's not good, but that yeah. it's okay. To, it's okay that that happens sometimes. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. It yeah. happens sometimes. And see, that's a, yeah. again, another thing on a date. You could do that. And be like, you know, you ever, you ever like have something to say and it just immediately just drops and, now you have something yeah. you're all of a sudden talking and I'm sure the people I dated just wishes that I would have done that instead of just sit there and nod and okay and look at my watch <laughs> yeah. and be like okay <laughs> and so yeah it's just a, it's a lot of learning and and just basically accepting who you are and accepting them and you know if they say no cool you know definitely I definitely want to you know just make it known if you're in a relationship, hey, I definitely like hanging out with you. If you, you know, if you you want to reschedule, I'm I'm definitely, you know, let's definitely reschedule and just make them feel like, you know, it's not an imposition and, you know, that they have a life too and, you know, that comes first and, oh, yeah, you know, you know, anytime I get to spend, you know, you have comedy or whatever else to do instead of just sitting there lamenting that they're not hanging out with you tonight, there's open mics most nights of the week, you can just go, you know what? That's cool. I can, you know, I'll just hit up an open mic and stuff and just do my thing. And, you know, next time you're free, let's, let's do, let's do this. Let's go here. Let's do something. But yeah, as a young person, let me guide you. Let me guide you through all my past mistakes to say that you can avoid them. No, I I appreciate your input and you sharing your, your own personal experiences because you are much uh, wiser. (laughs) You know, you've, you've, been, you've been, been around longer and you have much more. Why do you mean sadder? You know? And <laughs> <laughs> wisdom is just intelligence that's hint, hint, with a hint of sadness. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's intelligence based on a sad story. I'm writing that down. Yeah, but I, I do appreciate you share, sharing all that because, like, I it, it helps me, like, it, it, it helps me understand that. You know, other people also experience, you know, similar, if not the same thing. And 
it's okay. You yeah. know, it's, 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 it's all good. It's not all good, but it, yeah, it's okay, okay. I would say it. I wouldn't, let's not go good. Let's, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Could, could be worse. Could yeah. There worse. was a comic strip that I, that was on Instagram one day and it's like, and he was like down. He's like, no, you're good. I'm good. And then he's like, I'm really good. No, no, no. Let's not get too far. <laughs> then the other guy's like, no, let's not get carried away. <laughs> just good. Just good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciate you doing this. Diego, it's really really been a fun conversation. Where can people find you on social yeah. media if they want to see your young burgeoning comedy career? Oh wow. If they really want to see that, I guess they could follow me on uh Instagram. It's, uh, go Diego Go, haha, ha, get it. A period in between each word. Go period. Diego period. Go period. Ha ha period. Get period. Okay. It. Go Diego Go. Ha ha get it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I appreciate you again for doing this. I hope you have a good rest of your day, and I guess we'll see you out at Open Mics. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate you having me. I I feel like this has been more of an intervention. (laughs) 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 I don't know. I've never been to one, so... Yeah. Feels nice though. If, like if there is more, if if it's you okay. fi- if it's a room full of your fan members and they've all written letters to to about you, then then that's oh, that's an no. intervention. Oh god! All right, talk to you later. All right, see you, Ryan. Appreciate it. So that was Diego. That was a fun conversation. I felt like I talked a lot but I didn't realize how much I talked until I went back and edited this episode and I kind of it's a really it's a really good if you're afraid of acceptance I would get in you know you just might get into stand up is it going to be a mental you know basically the most mentally healthy thing you can do probably not but as far as your fear of being accepted is it helped makes you get over and accept who you are because that seems to to me that's more important than having other people accept you. I think other people will accept you once you accept yourself. It seems my my path has gotten way easier when I've accepted, you know, that maybe, you know, certain things about me that this is just who I am and I just own that instead of trying to embellish or exaggerate who I am on stage. I do exaggerate a little bit, but I don't try to exaggerate my personality. I let that come through. I thank you guys for listening. Another year has passed. As we move into 2022, I've got a few more comics, and I'm going to start hammering away at scheduling interviews. I've been sick this week, and it's been kind of a downer. I have had to miss Christmas with my family, and that was kind of a buzzkill. But... I was able to stay home, did some some TV watching and movie watching, and just kind of, you know, made the most of my holiday season as best I could. If you like what you hear on this podcast, leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast. Five stars is always recommended. Um, if you don't, if you have some suggestions for the show, email me at somefearfans at gmail.com. Again, we're going to get mix up some guests here in the new year hopefully we'll have some more we'll have a lot more exciting interviews coming forward thanks to all of you that have listened and all my new listeners and 
as well as my existing. It's been an amazing, it's been an amazing year, I guess, year two of the podcast as we keep moving on through the year two and we're getting low on interviews. But I just recorded one at Low Key Tavern Tuesday before I fell ill and hopefully that will pass here soon or I'll feel comfortable enough. I'm going to, I guess, get COVID tested later this week as well, just to make sure and be safe. Um, Other than that, I still have shows in Wichita starting the first week of January. And then the second week I am at the Looney Bins in Oklahoma city. After that, I am at the Fort Worth hyenas where I'll, attempt to record my album and that should be an exciting time i'm excited to have an album to be recorded i thank you guys again for listening i'll leave the links for my information in the show notes again thanks for listening to the sum of all fears podcast hope your 2021 was good and only better things are await you in 2022 Happy New Year from the Sum of All Fears podcast. And now some thank yous for the folks that make this show possible. Thanks to Barry Whitewater for my art and graphics. You can follow him on Instagram at bwhiteh2o. Get it? H2O like water. You can also follow him on Facebook Music. A huge thank you to Gunnar Olson for the wonderful music provided for this podcast. You can follow him on Instagram at GunBuns, that's G-U-N-B-U-N-S, as well as his website, GunnarOlson.net. Check out some of the samples that he has recorded. They're amazing. He's an amazing percussionist. If you want to follow the show, we've got a Facebook group, Some of All Fears. Instagram, Twitter, you can find us at Some Fear Fans. If you have some feedback for the show, email me at SomeFearFans. S-O-M-E-F-E-A-R-F-A-N-S at gmail.com. I'll be happy to, to take those into consideration. Also, if you'd like to be a guest, email me at somefearfans at gmail.com. We can try to iron out some details and get that settled in. You know, give us some feedback if on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a review. It makes the show bigger and it's not going anywhere. I'm going to record as many shows as I possibly can. If you want to follow me on social media, I am at Ryan Perio. It's R-Y-A-N-P-E-R-R-I-O on all social media platforms. You can follow me there. And you can check me out at ryanperio.com, my website. I'll try to list upcoming shows there as well. It's been kind of spotty because as soon as I set it up, that's when the pandemic happened and everything's kind of just in a, in a holding pattern. Thanks again for listening to the Sum of All Fears podcast. Next week, we'll have another guest with another fear. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 